based on some really recent research showing that the manager was as important or at times more important to people's wellness than their therapist or even their spouse, which I can't decide if it's counterintuitive or not because we do spend so much time in the workplace and our manager has such a tremendous impact on how we feel about our work and how we experience our work. You know, I'll start with internally at Reverb. Of course, it's really important to us that people we have in management positions are well-educated, well-developed, and have the, the empathy and the skills you know, to manage people with a great deal of care. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Hello and welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. While you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask three favors, please. First, please subscribe to the show. It helps the show and it it makes me look much better to my peers. Second, please share the show with just one other person. And finally, go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I have Michaela Kiner with me. Michaela, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Thanks so much, Eric. Big questions. I am a Seattleite. I am a mom to two young adults, I will call them. I won't even say kids. And I am someone who likes the sun and I like remote work. And I'm planning my gap year in Costa Rica as soon as my youngest goes to college in the fall. What I do, first and foremost, I run a people development firm called Reverb. And I also myself do some coaching in addition to running the firm. And becoming a coach was a really big motivator for me. It was a large part of why I started Reverb because I personally wanted to make sure that I had time to coach and to grow my coaching skills. And when I was in uh, those HR leadership jobs in um, other corporations, I found that I, I just didn't have the time that I personally wanted to dedicate to coaching. That is awesome. Well, I am really glad that you are here. And full disclosure, Michaela and I work together. I'm a subcontractor to her company, Reverb, as a senior facilitator. So Michaela Michaela and I have known each other for a couple of years. I teach management development courses for her clients. Yes, and we are ever grateful. (laughs) It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Okay, well, I've got a series of questions about management development because it's a management development show. We can go any place you'd like with these. We can riff off these. You can take tangents. That's totally okay with me. So my first question is, what is your philosophy of management development? Well, you're really just going for the big questions, Eric. Go big or go home. I mean. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. One approach or methodology that that I really appreciate is um, based on a book called The Leadership Pipeline. And it is about the transitions that need to happen when we move from individual contributor to manager to manager and managers. And as a Seattleite, I often use this analogy of a Starbucks. So if you take the best barista who makes the tastiest and fastest drinks, and you say, you're so good at this job, I'm going to promote you to shift supervisor suddenly, um, not only is making drinks maybe not as relevant to the job, you probably don't want them making drinks at all because they're supervising, they're hiring, maybe they're overseeing inventory, making sure the store is clean, et cetera. Anyway, that, that analogy kind of crystallizes what I love about the leadership pipeline concept, which is that when we take someone who excels as an individual contributor and put them into management, 
there are certain tasks and responsibilities that they have to let go in order to really intentionally make room for and, and grow these new skills that they need in the new job. So that's something that I really believe in and have shared with managers who I've worked with over the years. The second thing I'll mention that has contributed to my own philosophy is a book called Multipliers by Liz Weissman, which really, I think, takes takes information that we know intuitively about what makes a great manager, things like someone with a great vision, but someone who trusts you and gives you autonomy along with the support that you need to succeed and experiment and try new things. What Liz Wiseman did that was so brilliant was that through a lot of research, she turned those views into data, not only about what makes a great manager, but about how much more of our individual capacity a great manager gets from us than a less great manager. And I like to think of this, you know, when I'm working for someone who I like and respect and admire, that I would bend over backwards for that person, right? I'll, I'll pull on night or I'll get something out on the weekend if necessary. But if I was ever working for someone who, you know, didn't treat me as well or wasn't as great of a leader, I might have more of like a begrudging feeling if I was asked to do those things. I love the leadership pipeline. I read it years ago and it's still very relevant. Another one that I really like is The First 90 Days by Michael yes. Watkins. Great stuff. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, why do you value management development? What does it do for Reverb? What does it do for Reverb's clients? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'll start with an article that I came across this morning that was in Fortune. And it was actually about the importance of the role of a manager with regard to people's mental health and well-being based on some really recent research showing that the manager was as important or at times more important to people's wellness than their therapist or even their spouse, which I can't decide if it's counterintuitive or not, because we do spend so much time in the workplace and our manager has such a tremendous impact on how we feel about our work and how we experience our work. You know, I'll start with internally at Reverb. Of course, it's really important to us that people we have in management positions are well-educated, well-developed, and have the, the empathy and the skills you know, to manage people with a great deal of care. And it's something that we just think is so important for our clients if they're trying to create the healthy, inclusive cultures that we're there to help them with, then absolutely their managers you know, need to have all of those skills that I mentioned in order to do the best possible job that they can and create the right environment for folks. And Unfortunately, and you may have an even more current statistic, but the last time I looked, about 69% of managers never received training, which I think is such a shame and is also, it's putting them in such a difficult position when you you'll throw somebody such a big, important role and you don't take the time to help them develop the skills that they're going to need. Oh yeah, I was one of those managers. In Silicon Valley, I got promoted to lead the two people who I used to work with, I was then suddenly over them and I did everything wrong. I absolutely screwed that up. It went horribly. And it, it wasn't just because of that. There were some other mitigating factors going on as well. But my lack of training made that really an untenable position. It just, it did not go well. Excellent. Thank you. Well, at Reverb, how do you approach management development? Yeah. 
A couple of different things. I mean, first, we we have our own viewpoint on what are the skills that are most critical to being a great manager today. So things like building trust, delegation, great goal setting, creation of psychological safety, and the ability to have hard conversations and deal with conflict. So we're really starting with those skills at the core. We um, also look at the populations that we're working with. So anything from first-time frontline manager to manager of managers. And then at times we're even working, you know, more in the leadership development space with executives around mission, vision, values, um, building good culture, et cetera. The other things that I think are are really important for us, one is um, to be approachable. So I think that all of our, both our facilitators and our materials are both approachable and accessible to people. They're not intimidating. I don't think anyone has ever felt bad walking into a training that was led by Reverb about, gosh, I didn't know that, or I'm not familiar with that concept, right? We never want anyone to feel behind or like, oh gosh, this is, you know, I can't believe as the manager that you haven't come across this before. We also like to bring a a little bit of levity and humor because, you know, work is hard. And I I think, you know, there are some really hard decisions that managers have to make and difficult conversations that they have to have. So having sometimes a little bit of humor in the way that we're bringing the information across, as well as our own empathy for managers and the difficult spot that they're sometimes in. We like to make sure that our approach and our materials are very inclusive. Um, That might be in terms of the language we use, it might be making sure that we're tapping into models and methodologies that weren't only created by white men. I mean, frankly, when you, you know, looking at most of the research, the books, sort of the history of leadership development, like many other things, it's uh, easy first to come across, you know, those materials. And so we have worked hard with our team and with some outside experts to make sure that we're gaining a better awareness for ourselves of leadership development frameworks and information that were created by a more diverse group of individuals so that we can both learn from that and pass that on. The last two things I'd say, storytelling for sure. We love to tell stories. It's just such a a great and easy way for people to learn. And we love practice. And, you know, everything, I like to think everything we do at Reverb is extremely practical If you talk to me about management, you'll always hear the story. One of my favorite stories, years ago, we were doing a course around collaborative conflict. I stopped by at lunch. It was a half-day course, and I ran into a co-founder I knew, and I said, what did you think of the course? And he said, not only was this great, I learned some things about hard conversations, and I'm going to go use them in a meeting that I'm going to this afternoon with one of my direct reports. So I think that really speaks to the utility and practicality that is such an important part of the work we do. You know, just just tacking on to the the point you made about storytelling. I just interviewed last week Mark Carpenter, who has a book and a course called Master Storytelling. And he was so compelling in his description of why stories are important, how we're wired as human beings to learn via stories and so on that I practically begged him to sign me up for his class right away. I'm like, I'm, I'm going, how do I sign up? So that's going to be a big part of, of all of my courses going forward. That sounds great. You know, I'm not a facilitator, by the way, but I do tell stories by nature. It's just, um, 
the way I explain and illustrate things, either sharing a personal story or, you know, maybe it's sort of a metaphor. I love metaphors. No, I, I think that's great. And I, I think about myself, right? And when I've been in workshops or trainings or other learning situations and just, yeah, how much a, a personal story really resonates and can help bring a point home. Yeah, I think it, it clicks something in our brain and, and helps somebody sort of understand or have empathy to, with you. It's like, oh, yeah, I've been there. I can, I can grasp that. I understand. And so, you know, the story I've got of, of being a new manager and immediately having to, to run somebody through a performance improvement plan. Yeah. Would I think might connect with somebody and, and, and help the learning really connect. So. I I love that you're being vulnerable about maybe not, not having been so great yourself as a new manager. It makes me also want to be vulnerable and share a story, which is, I went from the experience of, you know, I'd managed sort of one and two people here and there over the years. And then in 2009, I got to go on assignment with Amazon to uh, Hyderabad, South India, and inherit a team that was growing from nine to 25, basically, and just, you know, grew the, the whole three years that I was there. And yeah, I really misfired in the beginning, you know, with a a sizable team across three cities. And I'm a very detailed person. My brain kind of works like a spreadsheet. And I felt like it was really important to track the progress that we were making across different projects and initiatives and that, oh, I need to report that back to the U.S. And I came up with what I thought was a pretty elegant, you know, project tracker with all these, you know, 25 things we were doing. Well, nobody filled it out. (laughs) I encouraged them and explained why it was important and nobody filled it out. And it just wasn't the way that people were accustomed to working. It was a different mindset. You know, there were probably uh, five times more things on that priority list than there should have been if this was going to be a reasonable undertaking, et cetera. So, you know, I I learned the hard way uh, by watching people's reaction and eventually we, you know, killed the tracker and, and found different ways to do that. But um, I just share that because, you know, I don't think I was a bad person. I don't even think I was a bad manager per se, but it wasn't an approach that resonated. And yeah, it's also, I, again, I think for myself, it was kind of like my anxiety showing up on a big, big spreadsheet and nobody was sharing my anxiety probably because a lot of it was very misplaced. <laughs> so any, anyone out there who's made some of these mistakes, you know, don't beat yourself up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing I would say is uh, one thing that's saved me multiple times since is offering my teams the ability to go through something like DISC or Gallup Strengths and do that, self, that self-diagnosis, understanding self so that we can then understand others and make requests to be to have folks adjust their style accordingly, I think makes a huge difference. So you know you're obviously a very high C. If your if your brain is like a spreadsheet, that's got to be a high C. <laughs> As an ID myself, I don't think that way, but I would definitely come to you and ask for help. You know, that's like I I need a spreadsheet thinker right now. Could you please help me? Could could we partner on this? Yeah, I I love those kind of assessments as well. And I I have a couple examples in my career where I worked for leaders who used those to get to know the teams and for the teams to get to know them. And, you know, in both cases, I I had one leader, he was very high control, according to the assessment that we had taken. And uh, he was very, he was very self aware, you know, so he said, look, I'm super high control. And here's what it means. You know, it means 
show me work in progress. Because if you wait until you think you're done and then you share something, I'm not going to be happy, then you're going to be frustrated with me. I thought it was such a great example to take an attribute that could be scary, could be perceived as negative, right? Of working for someone very high control, but having him interpret that so that we could all get the most out of the relationship and he didn't frustrate us and we didn't frustrate him just simply by having that knowledge and having had that kind of a conversation. Uh, You've illustrated the point beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. Well, where do you think the management development space needs to go to evolve and help companies achieve even more? Yeah, this is such an interesting time, three years into COVID and with the hybrid slash remote slash work from anywhere continuing, you know, I mean, some people may do more of that, some may do less, but it's not going away. And I have a feeling that it is going to continue to grow over time. I think some of the things that have really been brought forward during the pandemic around truly checking in on people, you know, truly finding informal ways to connect and engage back to the the point that I made at the beginning about this article and what a, an outsized impact managers have on people's mental health and well-being. Those are not always, you know, all, all of those skills that I just listed are not things we've necessarily always prioritized for people managers or taught people managers or, you know, help them with some of the skills and resources that are needed. I think of things like managing with empathy. Um, I can tell you back when I started, this was not a thing. I didn't hear much about empathy for, you know, a good 13 to 15 years into my career. But yet, I think today we're starting to really recognize and, and believe in the importance. The other term that I just heard last week, and I would attribute it, I can't remember where, but it was in a newsletter, was around what they're now calling remote fluency, which I really liked. And I think That applies to everyone who's working remote or virtual in organizations. But again, to managers, you know, I think about this question we've been getting, well, how do I know if people are performing if I can't see them? Well, you have, you know, good goals and you have good conversations and you have good mechanisms to check in or to have people report out, right? Even when we were sitting together in an office, hopefully the managers weren't walking around looking over everybody's shoulder and, oh, did you meet this deadline? Did you finish this task? But I think there's just a lot of things that are either less comfortable or potentially more difficult when we're managing remote and hybrid. And and those are all driving new skills that managers need. Awesome. Thank you. Well, do you have a product or service you'd like to plug? I I see one on your shelf behind you. Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah. (laughs) Behind me is my book, which just had its three-year anniversary. The book is Female Firebrands. And It is about some very amazing and powerful women founders, VCs, um, social impact and nonprofit leaders, and the challenges they faced in the workplace, as well as what they did to overcome and get around and advocate for one another, as well as what their allies and advocates, both uh, women and men, have done to help them in the workplace. So thank you. Love the book. Since we're talking about management and leadership development, though, I would love to plug our fully online course, and you can find that a link to that on the Reverb site, but it is something that we put together that is either self-paced or for those who are afraid of self-pacing, we have some uh, sample calendars that you can use, 
And it really goes through what we think are six of the top fundamentals uh, that new managers need. So some of the skills I, I listed off earlier, it is good for teams of one. In other words, if a startup only has one manager and is thinking, how do I get this manager some development? It's also good for teams of 100 that might be globally distributed and really want to build some common language and common skill sets across the group. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to take a huge tangent. I am in the middle of writing a management book. What advice, just one thing, what's one thing you would say to, an, to a new author? So you were successful in getting that published. Just to get the thing written, what's one thing you would suggest? I have to say, follow your instincts, which I mean, there are things you're going to feel really passionate and enthusiastic, and you're just going to be writing away. I would follow that energy. If there's something that does not feel as exciting, I would take a step back and say, you know, is that just because it's hard work? It's a slog. Maybe you're tired, but it's really important. Or is it like, maybe this is a tangent, or maybe I'm not the best person to be writing about this particular topic, and you can leave it for somebody else. One of the things I'm doing is is I've reserved an hour a day, every day to write. Does that make sense? Or am I off the, am I off track? So I have heard of every different methodology of from people who get up in the morning and walk around the block to get them in a, like a work mindset. And then they sit at their desk and treat writing like their job. I've definitely consistency is important. I wrote sort of weekends and evenings because, you know, I had the full-time job. I also, my kids were younger. I had two kids. So I kind of snuck it in, you know, around the edges. I think it's kind of like any methodology is the one that works for you is right. Mm. So if you're finding the energy and getting words on paper, good for you. Okay. Well, thank you. Let's transition to the speed round. This is where the listeners get a chance to learn a little bit about you. Nothing too personal. First question, if you could be in my seat and interview anybody you want, living or dead, who would it be and why? I'm so bad at this exact question. I think I would interview my grandfather because mm -hmm. he was an incredible business person. He was actually an attorney and he moved from Germany and started over in the US and built up this multinational law practice. But I didn't care that much about business when I was younger. So frankly, I, I never asked him anything about how he did that or how he approached that or even how he thought about leadership. Yeah, I would love to have some in-depth conversations with my grandfathers as well. All right. Where would you most like to travel aside from Costa Rica? I knew you weren't going to let me do Costa Rica. <laughs> you know, it's funny, my, my daughter is graduating in June, and she was just telling me about the senior trip she and a few friends are planning to Europe. And I was thinking, well, I know you don't want me on your trip, but could I just kind of like be floating around somewhere nearby in Europe in case you need me. <laughs> so I, you know, one place that's really on my list that I have never been is Portugal. Mm. And I know it's a, a place that a lot of people are looking to, you know, move or do remote work. So I'm intrigued. I would love to take my family on a European vacation, just do a grand tour and see the whole thing. Uh, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be amazing? It sounds great. Yeah. I bet I know the answer to this one. What brings you the most joy in your life? 
Hmm. Well, <laughs> so many things. I mean, I really have to say my kids because, yeah, because they're my kids. And I, I always want to call them little, like they're amazing little people. I mean, they're both bigger than me, but you know, they're, you know, they're just kind people and they're, they have a lot of interests and they have a lot of integrity. And of course I'm biased. I find them really fun to hang out with. So kids, yeah, but it's definitely kids, uh, travel (laughs) and adventure is very big for me. And my team, you know, I've been doing just a a very small morning gratitude practice and it's a guided uh, meditation. And it always has this question of what are you thankful for? And I think about my family, but I always think about my team because I feel like the team enables me, um, one, to be as, you know, relaxed as I am even though I've got this amazing company going and they're the ones that enable me to have time with my family and to be able to do something like go to Costa Rica next year, because they're just so good at what they do. And they're so dedicated to running the business so well. Mm -hmm. Very nice. That's a good list. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot complain. I have some cats too. They're, they're pretty fun. They're around here. (laughs) Well, Michaela, thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. I really, really appreciated having you on. How can people find you? I am very easy to find. I'd say if you're going to only look in one place, LinkedIn, everything is is there in the LinkedIn and you can find Reverb and you can find the other fun stuff there as well. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. We'll catch you at the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at GerardTrainingSolutions.com.